Hello, this is uh, Matt Hale with Art Monthly on Resonance 104.4 FM, and I'm kindly joined today by John Douglas Miller and Andrew Hunt, who've both written a feature in the current issue of Art Monthly, which is number 340, October 2010. Um, now, John, we're going to start talking about your feature first, which has been entitled Watching v Looking. That's mm -hmm. what our editors called it. Um, I'm not sure if that's what you would have called it. Um, do you have an alternative title, or are you happy with that one? Um, the original title was Under Western Eyes. Fine, which is different. <laughs> mm. um, now, just to get the ball rolling, um, we agreed, didn't we, before the programme, that we'd start talking about um, one of the artist's work that you actually use as mm. an example to... to come across with your um, main ideas and the Dutch artist Renzo Martins um, mm -hmm. and has produced two films that in deeply complex and sometimes apparently morally ambiguous terms explore and satirise the role of the Western image maker. Uh, can you elaborate a bit more? Um, yeah, uh, Renzo Martins as you say is a Dutch artist who spent two years in the Congo uh, gathering material for episode three, which was the second of his films. Uh, episode one was filmed in Chechnya, and both films delineate um, the image economy with regards to images of atrocity. Um, in Chechnya, he... Sorry, guys. I'm when, you say image <laughs> when you say image economy, mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you mean by that? Um, well, the way in which uh, Western media channels... Uh, use images of atrocity without uh, there's no benefit to those um, the vi the victims you mean exactly yeah yeah right and and, and how, how can you explain how that how there isn't well <clears throat> in the in the second film episode three he um, continually turns the camera on the white journalists that he's uh, dealing with and he asks them. Sorry, guys. So, 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 no, you're doing fine. So he's he's in he's in the, a war zone situation. Mm -hmm. You're saying, and he's accompanied by other journalists, mm -hmm. and they they actually, rather than filming what they're what they're filming the way they are, mm -hmm. you're saying he then reverses it, the camera on on them, so on them, and also on himself. So he's 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 revealing the mechanism, as it were. Is that yeah, would absolutely. that be fair enough yeah, to say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what, what 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 to what end do you think he's? Why is he doing that? Um. Well, it's to show that... Uh, well, actually, what it is is that it puts us in a position as a viewer. It questions what our position is as a viewer with regards to those images. Yes. Um, I think... What which, we would, which we wouldn't normally do. Well, what it comes down to is that he's asking, I guess, whether those images are rhetorical images when it comes to... Uh, um, whether we have some sort of responsibility towards them. Yeah. Um, but also the aesthetic of kind of news journalism. He's exploring that and how... It turns us into passive viewers in the end. Yes. Because um, you, you do mention a, a earlier on in your piece, um, looking... Well, it's called... We called it watching v looking. And, mm. and, 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 and you... There is a differentiation between looking and watching. Mm. So are you saying basically looking is passive? Yeah. Whilst watching has an active element. Not that it asks us necessarily... It's not as simple as saying that we will act upon these images by doing something in that war zone. But it asks us to have an ethical responsibility towards them. Yeah, so as we're keeping an eye on, say, the, yeah, exactly. the, 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 the methods... Well, I think what it is is that the people, the, the people that appear in those images, that we have an ethical responsibility to those people. Yes. As opposed to just having a kind of, you know, liberal, uh, you know, wrenched heart kind of attitude towards Yeah, because I think at some point in your feature you mentioned uh, the... 
sort of use of that kind of um, atrocity image, or I'm not quite sure that's the right mm. phrase, for ch by charities to, mm. to, uh, to get us to put our hands in our pockets. Yeah. That's what you're referring to, I, th I think, are you? Well, absolutely, and I think in, in, in the film, uh, episode three, uh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a scene in the film where Renzo talks about uh, the fact that 70% of all aid that goes to the Congo comes back to the country that it came from. I think that's part of what he's delineating in this. Right. In, in what, how, how does that... You mean, you mean economically, what, from loans? Or, you mean yeah, absolutely. They lent the interest they had yeah. to pay on the I loans? I mean, there's another scene with the World Bank, you know, and it's, it, he asks the question of the, world, the, the figures from the World Bank, you know, um, how much of... If, if, you know, he asks them about poverty being part of the economy of the country... Right, and how much of it, you know, goes back to the nation, the World Bank nations? Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, these are these are really quite difficult subjects, mm. and 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 obviously, you're not, you, you, your feature talks about the the more about the not the systems of the of the money, but the the, mm. the image making. So, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. you mentioned Faroki, don't you, as well? Yeah, of course. Uh, Eye Machine Two, um, which is a split screen. What, what, mm. what were you saying about that one? Well, and Faroki's <coughs> a bit different, I think, because I think there's a slightly more didactic kind of Marxism with Faruqi. But, um, yeah, iMachine 2 <coughs> shows a, on one side a military mapping system and on the other uh, machines in a, in a factory that use the same technology. It's diffused down into... You mean into the, industrial there's con one development in war... Yeah, but, but, the, but the technology is diffused into, into civilian context or, or industrial civilian industrial context <coughs> rather than military industrial context. Um, and I think it, it's kind of showing that, that in both situations the, the human is, is made redundant, um, either by, you know, the, the drone warhead actually physically making people redundant or the machinery <coughs> in these factories making the worker redundant. I think that's what he's yeah. trying to do. Yeah, certainly distance from the, pr the, from the, the, the product they're making. Yeah, it's exactly. depersonalised, kind of, not, yeah. not from beginning to end, they're just doing a bit in the middle kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Andrew, do you have any questions for, yeah, <laughs> for no, John? I, I, th I thought the uh, the kind of point that you made about um, you know Martin's where you say Martin tra Martin's trains going back to Martin's work uh, Martin's trains a group of Congolese wedding photographers hmm. in the truths of the image economy going back to the images and the idea is that. He, he says to them that you can make more money photographing mm. more than photographing weddings, but they're actual when they were kind of uh, showing their. Their images to the authority that uh, issues press accreditation. Their images weren't deemed good enough. Mm. So this idea that um, you talk about, you know, the the kind of uh, that almost colonial thing. Yeah, it's um, the aesthetic itself becomes yeah. kind of a colonial element. So it goes back into that the humanitarian cliche you say that mm. if you teach a man to fish, he will feed himself for life. But mm. obviously that it isn't working in that situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so I just wanted to ask you more about that. Is there um, kind of a situation where uh, you can kind of... I mean, in a way, we're never, ever kind of... Um we're just turning off a phone, which has gone off, which we're not allowed to do, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's sorted. Sorry about that. Yeah, so the, the idea is... Uh, um, I just wondered if, um, you know, you could elaborate on that. And also, that, I mean, the second question that I've got... Um, before you do, sort of relates to it, is that, you know, are we ever fully responsible for... Is there any... Is, is it impossible for us to be ever fully responsible for, uh, you know, kind of image-making or, or a kind of ethical uh, kind of, you know, awareness, mm. full, fully ethical awareness about the, the things that are represented in it or, or the people that are represented in it? OK, well, I think the, the first part is, is when Martin's... 
uh, trains the Congolese photographers. It's interesting, there's actually a misprint in this article. It says that it was uh, ten times they could make by taking pictures of rape and atrocity rather than weddings. It's actually a thousand times. Oh, no. (laughs) I'll take that back to the editor. (laughs) Thanks, John. But... um, yeah, so he, he, he trains this group of, of photographers and then um, goes to see the the a guy from Medicine Sans Frontier, who's obviously their kind of press figure. Mm. Um, and the argument goes on for some time because what's happening is they're trying to get press accreditation. Um, and what it comes down to in the end is that the, the Medicine Sans Frontier chap has to say, well, these photos aren't good enough. There's, you know, aesthetically, they're not correct. And he starts off saying, I'm not going to allow these guys to take advantage of my suffering patients. They're not allowed to take photos in my hospitals. But in the end, he has to come down and say, well, the photos just aren't good enough. Um, <coughs> which I think, you know, is a very bold uh, expression of what Martins is trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the second question. So, could you repeat the second? Question? Yeah. <laughs> in a way, what I was I was looking at another section. Sorry, I, sorry for asking everything at once, but I'm um, just trying to find it. Um, it's that uh, you're 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 um, you quote Slavo Zizek, mm. um, and uh, you say that you know it, you, basically it says as Slavo Zizek contends, ideology is at its most dangerous and pervasive when we don't even realise we are subject to it Mm. or when we perform it without realising we are doing so so in a way I mean obviously the the artists here are trying to be more aware but is there Mm. a way of ever being fully aware of what we're doing I mean this is well I think that's that's the big point with Martin's film in the end is that I think it it, it kind of comes to a point a mournful kind of point where it's almost here is all this this image this is the I can lay bare the image economy here is you know how it functions did it but what can I actually do about it yeah um or what can anyone do about it and I think that's that's the, the final kind of crux of the film is you know he renounces the kind of usual kind of liberal documentary position and offered something else and says, well, what do you do beyond this point? And I think that's where Zizek kind of comes in as well, yeah. because perhaps Zizek is giving some kind of answer to that in a way. You have to go beyond kind of ideas of empathy and pity and compassion to some other kind of political, in, in the sense of the image, some other gaze, I think. Yeah, that's no, all really could, could you, you mentioned um, at the end, you, you say contemporary art, unlike ethnography or other mm. branches of the so-called social sciences, does not have the yardarm of ob- objectivity at the centre of its practice is a unique form of knowledge production that is able to acknowledge its own subjectivity. Mm. The acknowledgement of subjectivity, for me, that's the critical point yeah. there. In other words, which, so by revealing the, the way things work, but still you're acknowledging that you are a subjective, mm. I mean, because you're mm. not pretending that it's truth. Yeah. Well, exactly. Is that, is, I mean, that, is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's the difference between what Martins can do and what news media can do, because news media always has theoretical objectivity. It's apparently true. Apparently, yeah, this is it. You know, you are. And we accept it as such. And impartial, and so on and yeah. so forth. Whereas the artist doesn't have to take any of those positions, which I think is. Yeah. You know. Well, listen. I think we're about halfway through, and you're listening to. Matt Hale on, with Art Monthly on Resonance Radio 104.4 FM, and I'm with um, John Douglas Miller and Andrew Hunt. And um, we're now going to move sideways slightly, but I think it, I think I mean the, the, the other feature by Andrew was called humour the irony. Now it's not they're not actually connected, but in a way they are because there is a kind of moral yeah. theme in your piece, Andrew, as well, isn't there? I yeah. mean, this basically I would just, I would like to start by just saying, can we try to clarify what what is simply the difference between humour and irony? Um, well, obviously, there's lots of. There are, there are many different ways of looking at it, but in the piece that I um, wrote, 
the idea is that um, irony relates to postmodern irony uh, and this idea of a kind of almost like in a very basic way there's a kind of uh, cynical uh, side to it um, which is sort of closed and, and prescribed in terms of making artworks making being creative making exhibitions is a prescription to that form traditionally uh, and it's a long you know it's a historical thing from the 1980s really um, and the idea is that increasingly people have been uh, artists have been using other strategies uh, so that there's a kind of openness to and it's not necessarily a strategy it's just a different way of maybe being able to create things that don't have a a um, a kind of too much of a, a, pr an, a, a prior meaning so that this is kind of uh, almost an openness to the work and the idea is that humour doesn't necessarily an irony it looks like it's all about comedy but it's nothing to do with funniness or com comedy in, in terms it's more to do with humanity and humility over a kind of dry cold cynicism and I suppose most of the um, I mean, the examples that I, I give, uh, this, this one, I mean, in terms of photography as a medium, this one which is relates between the difference between, in specific, specifically in abstract photography, you've got a big difference, say, between um, Wolf, Wolfgang Tillmans and Waleed Beshti. So on the face of it, they're both making abstract photographs. Right. But uh, Beshti is very, very immersed in this kind of American October-style theory a, a real expert on the whole thing and it is kind it's this kind of postmodern ironic still kind of uh, uh, rhetoric and discourse underpinning what he does whereas you look at Tillman's and so that all of the, uh, the photographs and works are really set up they're really you know prescribed beforehand and set up in some way whereas Tillman's is even though there's a, a big kind of planning uh, you know kind of, you know he's very aware about what he's doing and the technical nature there's much more experimental uh, use of the medium and there's a much more you know it's just more more humanity in the work in some respects so I mean the thing is is that you can also map this back onto uh, Deleuze's uh, writing um, about the ideas of kind of just um, I don't know this kind of sort of affirmative criticism in a way and m to be honest most of the the, the writing that has kind of uh, affected the, the piece that I wrote is based on conversations with Robert Garnett. Yes. Who, strangely enough, that was Robert calling me on my phone. <laughs> so you can tell how close I am to Robert. Yes, he's, he's yes. A very he's, good he's just getting his spirit in the room with us. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. He's well, he's here written for our monthly us. in the past, not yeah. for a while, which uh, perhaps that will, that will change in the future. Hopefully, yeah. I had a conversation with him the other day, and um, I think, you know, I, I passed the message on that he should, you know, it would be good for him to write for yeah, the yeah. magazine again. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pressure um, on the editor coming through live on the radio program. <laughs> <laughs> Let's but get back to the article. Where, no, what, what, anyway, yeah. what, what, but Robert, you read, you do um, quote Robert's um, a, a, an essay by Robert written recently, um, which yeah. I, I, I'm not sure where it's published. That yeah, it's it's published by an Edinburgh <coughs> University Press. What's it called? Um, oh, it's, do we know? Um, it's called that's it. It's called um, Abstract Humour. Hold on a second. It's <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I should know, know that too. Don't worry, it doesn't matter. But but you, tell tell us, you know, what you you brought him into the conversation. Yeah. What, what what does he say? Well, I mean, Robert's got this very uh, interesting take on. I mean, it's all basically it's it's his PhD research, and I've just been you know kind of talking to him 
for a very long time while he's been doing this PhD, and he's he's you know he's uh, uh, become fascinated with Deleuze and Guattari's uh, theory, and how uh, in a way what what's interesting is that if you've got this kind of uh, Marxist kind of Frankfurt School Marxist um, kind of heroic uh, you know melancholy negative. Uh, Discourse, which every you know, which is very predominant. Um, can you can you name an artist that fits that? Is that easy? Well, I suppose it's not very easy to to pinpoint artists, but I suppose um, it's it's just in the culture as a whole, okay, aesthetically. Okay, okay. And I'm not, and Robert's not necessarily totally against that because you know you've got Adorno, who's uh, you know, there's, there's there are ways that Adorno's aesthetic theory are very very. Uh, absolutely relevant in this day and age but the thing is is that if you look at that negative hegelian tradition um of uh you know the kind of um yeah the the, the kind of uh, dialectic tradition then in a way you've got this kind of uh, the, the th- you've got this tradition of of uh, negative opposition basically and something that is is actually opposed to that tradition itself yeah is this affirmative tradition of uh, Deleuze's theory which is kind of which through its radical affirmation is negates the very negation itself of of that Hegelian tradition I suppose. So in a way it's sort of it's actually even though it's through being affirmative it's negative to that so it's actually critical of it. But but, but affirmative and positive is is is, uh, I mean in the the way that when we're talking with John about the uh, the the revealing of the methods of of journalistic photography yeah I mean are they revealing by with, with their humour and and and, well, and, and approach to this. What it is is Robert talks about Kippenberger and I talk about Robert. Yeah, Martin Kippenberger, Kippenberger. The, the German artist who's, yeah. who's dead now. And now he 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 represents a, a kind of quite an interesting example in the 1980s because obviously there was this kind of uh, very you could call it academic form of postmodern ironic work being produced and his work just was a radical form of nonsense in the fa- face of that yeah. and in a way you can see his work as this kind of um, you st- I mean critics just didn't know how to get their head around and they still don't really can't pin down what he's doing and he represents in a way a one man scene and it's this idea of the scene in, in this kind of work this kind of imminent uh, you know rather than a transcendent thing you know that that is able to represent some sort of possibility yeah. of understanding the world but not in any way that we currently know it in a kind of radically not necessarily funny ha ha <laughs> but th- this is kind of, you know this uh, the work that robert uses as an example is this kind of mirror ball with a wig placed on that's a particular piece by martin yeah, yeah. Oh, by Kippenberger, i mean yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> and it's this thing where you've got this refractive lef- reflective element which is totally absurd but it represents a head that's just you know kind of reflecting different kind of th- possible thoughts in all sorts of different directions that's just you know there is no Preordained kind of like theory behind the work, and I suppose it represents a possibility in one sense of the absurd, but also of kind of just doing something that you know isn't isn't informed by any dominant discourse, and is also not involved in the good conversation of humanist discourse in some way. Which you know the opposite is kind of opposite uh, artist is uh, that Robert refers to is Liam Gillick, right? Because he's he's seen as this kind of uh, uh, this person who is able to speak eloquently um, about <coughs> certain issues in all the big, you know, sort of symposia, and and it's this kind of ongoing dialogue of conversation, and it's almost like a, a kind of, um, 
you know, it's, it's kind of the imminent kind of artwork against this ongoing good discourse in a way you yeah. know i suppose yeah. it's very difficult to explain it no no i understand robert's piece i'm uh, sorry um yeah robert garnett's piece was abstract humor humorous abstraction, abstraction i just right, i yeah. found that very <laughs> di- um john did you have anything you wanted to ask andrew yeah i'm just <coughs> i'm interested if you could, could kind of go a bit further in which artists perhaps because yeah. you talk about the frankfurt school and, yeah. and adorno and to me that seems kind of the very height of modernism rather yeah. than that kind of postmodern one-off yeah. joke ironic thing i'm just wondering if you could sort of well, I mean, see who's coming out yeah. of that that you're talking about. i think that i mean you've got like i mean it, i can't really kind of think of specific examples of artists who would you would say um adorno uh, they they kind of look at their mm. theory and think i'm going to make work from that but i think that the what i can do is the other uh, go in the other direction mm. and say that adorno's work uh, adorno's work has obviously over the last 15 years gained more Importance purely because of people like Peter Osborne teaching at Middlesex and this kind of uh, this this kind of um, current use of uh, aesthetics mm. uh, and the uh, the relationship between aesthetics and conceptual art. You mm. know this this idea of the radical break with with the norm and the idea of philosophy's relationship with art mm. and the ongoing kind of. Uh, the ongoing kind of complication between philosophy's revenge on art, completing uh, the artwork critically, and then art's re- double revenge on that through c- conceptualism oh by completing, uh, by using philosophy in in the work. So mm. I think there's a lot of people who are kind of playing with philosophy itself in work and that dialogue and text and th- this kind of dis- discursive thing but not necessarily using it in the production of discrete artworks which offer some sort of glimpse in the here and now of some re- you know what I mean? Yeah. Con- so in a way is, is, is it, are you kind of attacking the sort of takeover of the academy on art in a, you know, in the way that you know curation and everything else has taken over and no, I think theory. I think I mean this. Uh, this is it's a quite a straightforward, simplistic idea. Is that mm. I think that um, artworks, the, the the actual very nature of artworks, has been un, under attack for so long. But we've, mm. we're starting to ignore what they do best, which is to kind of, I mean, uh, you know, Adorno's theory. I think is as is as relevant as Deleuze's theory. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a certain number of people who, who prefer Deleuze's thing purely because of the affirmative nature of it but mm-hmm. I, I don't know I think I think this the main thing is that in this article I'm, I'm trying to say that there are a number of artists at the moment who are going beyond this negative fragmentary form of mourning yeah. and they're getting going towards a more into you know in terms of collage you've got this idea of connectivity rather than fragmentation which mm-hmm. is like Deleuze over Adorno yeah. so the artists in terms of collage that I mentioned are people like Clooney Reed, Anna Parkina uh, Meredith Sparks, um, th- where there's a kind of there's a there's a kind of a, a, a spirit which is good rather than something. The whole point is why do we need to uh, kind of um, what is the purpose of uh, negation, absolute negation, and critical mm. irony? It's the Kierkegaard quote as well, you know, yeah. at the end. What? Why is that? I mean, obviously, it's a very naive question to ask in some respects, but why is that so good? Why can't we be? More positive, in yeah. <laughs> in a, well, in a in a funny way, it's a strange time to for us all to be trying to be positive because everything is slightly wrong at the moment. Well, no, I think no, no, things, in but, adversity, you know, that, yeah. that's not, that's a, it's a positive. You need yeah. to balance what what feels heavy and dark and looming. You know, t- October twentieth in in, in yeah. Britain is going to be a a, 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 a day of the knives by the government on the arts. I mean, for instance, I mean. I was at a thing recently where people were asking us, you know, what do you do in this in this time? 
how how do artists mm. survive? You know, what kind of creativity should we be doing? Would, would positive creativity would seem to be far better than than us all going around. Well, it's funny that in um, in kind of the latest issue of Freeze, they've got like um, on the editorial colophon next to it, they've got what's in and what's out, and what's out is optimism, uh, WGC bold, um, number of things like that, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and. Uh, I didn't look at the Not necessarily bit, right, either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they've got that completely so, um, wrong. Hopefully optimism and being positive isn't yeah. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think that's true. Well, we, we're, um, we're, we're, it's a, as you say, it is a, it's a complicated, difficult um, difficult subject, I mean, that yeah. we're talking about. And, and I, I, I've always personally found the, the irony... I mean, uh, you, you say that you think it is on its way. I, I, I mean, I'm an artist myself uh, um, sometimes, but I hate irony. I mean, uh, when yeah. I, I actually cannot physically look at exhibitions when I think there's an ironic attitude in the yeah. work anymore. And I, I've been like, I mean, that's been like that for quite a long time now. So I was just really pleased to see, the, you know, the sentiment of your of your article is, is great for me mm, to read. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, obviously it would have been good if Robert had have done this because I think he would have made a better job of it than me. But because he, he wasn't doing it, I, I was at least I was able to contextualise what he, his his research within a wider field in some way. But I, I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of the idea of, I think the frustration is that, you know, a lot of people are tired of or fed up of seeing works that seem to have been uh, planned and and made before they're actually made in a way um so right, there's, there's right. nothing really escaping in the you know what i mean there's nothing really there to be but, we, but we're not you know. we're not for a minute suggesting i presume that there's no shouldn't be any there's no criticality yeah in this no humor yeah approach or this positiveness it's not like happy happy you no. know <laughs> we don't well, that's we don't point. want to point it's, a, it's it's actually infinitely more critical than any negative criticism. Yeah, because I think if, I think if we criticism. could, if we could, to help our listeners and me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really great if we could. Because we're coming near to the end of of the program, but it'd be really lovely to try and just sort of get that nailed yeah. in as an, an understood. Well, it's that thing, I suppose, that where where I'm coming from is that idea that because aff affirmative criticism is seen as being stupid infantile, to be optimistic or positive, uh, dumb uh, humour is seen as being you know, just unserious because Light. it's funny Light, yeah, yeah. really, yeah The, actual, the, the, the thing is, is that um, I suppose that that affirmative because it is, it, you've got that critical model of Deleuze versus Adorno say, yep. and that tradition it's, it's dialectically opposed to that dialectical tradition <laughs> So you've got, you've <laughs> no, that's got, really interesting. Yeah, you've got that kind of, uh, you've got a criticism of that traditional form of criticism. So it's about at an attack on conservatism, really, in in art. Yeah, and when you like polarities, that yeah. clean opposites that are easily yeah put against and each other. And the interesting thing is that if you if you if you didn't really read Robert Singer, you didn't really you know his essay or read my writing about his essay properly, you wouldn't you wouldn't really understand the point which is uh, you know it's about um, making something which doesn't have to be seen as in quotation marks serious to be serious no you know it, it can yeah, be yeah no i mean i always yeah. thought kippenberg was a very serious artist yeah. i mean the man must have been serious with the amount of work and effort he yeah. put into but he always had a light touch yeah he was massively productive oh uh, well, yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or other people with him were as well yeah. he had assistants and all kinds Ex of but but, exactly. but there was always humor but it was critical humour, I, I always thought. 
yeah. as well. Well, well. it's that thing, it's exciting because in a way he was this model of, of a one-man scene, as I say, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. it's this idea of, you know, that massive sense of production and, and creating a, you know, it doesn't have to be a big a set of people to create that idea of a scene, you know, one person can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, guys, that's been abs- great. I mean, th- these are difficult subjects, and I think we've, we've dug into them, and, and hopefully the listener will be very intrigued enough to buy Art Monthly and read the features. So that was um, two people with us, John Douglas Miller and Andrew Hunt, on their features. Um, that's all appearing in the current issue of Art Monthly, which is October. And I just wanted to say, on the website of Art Monthly, we feature every um, month some things from our archive which are related with things we've published before obviously that relate to what what's in the current issue and and at the moment there's one by julian a, a, a piece you can read which is called not in our How, home by julian Stalabras, which is to do with the iraq through the lens of the vietnam it's about photography as well so it sort of links with um, john douglas miller's piece a bit so you might want to look at that as well and it's uh, something to keep an eye on on the, on the website there uh thanks for listening um really enjoyable Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you.